in today's show, it's time for the do not draft list. Talk about that more in a second. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Now, of course, when everyone would ask me who's your do not draft list, I would always tell people, it's pretty empty, right? But people ask for it continually. And what I want to do is just go through each round here and tell you at their current ADPs what players in each round I'm not going to be drafting in that round or I wouldn't consider in that round. So it's not that putting do not draft on the title of this video is something that works for you know, people on, uh, on YouTube to click on the video. It brings people in and I think having that title there and then explaining to them that having a do not draft list is really a poor decision in fantasy is important. So if you believe that, it is a poor decision. Understanding that there is a difference between I'm never drafting this guy ever versus I'm not drafting him at his current ADP is a very different thing. And that's what we're going to look at today is players based on where they're getting drafted that I wouldn't be going after. There are actually this season a couple of players who I'm not interested in drafting at all. So maybe I do have a do not draft list. But what we're mainly looking at here is going through each round, which guys I wouldn't consider at their current draft pick. So let's talk about that right now. Let's start with round one. Look at Doncic's ADP is at number three. And look, just to clarify, this is for category leagues. It's for category leagues. I'm not doing it for points leagues. This is for category leagues because, again, the vast majority of people who do watch this show are for category leagues. I do have points projections and rankings at basketballmonster.com. Maybe I will do one of these. Actually, you know what? I probably will end up doing a um, must draft and a do not draft for points leagues. That I don't know when that'll come, but I probably will end up doing that. But this is for category leagues. Doncic's ADP is at three. All right, I, I just can't get behind that. We know that there are issues with his free throw percentage. If you care about it, there are issues with his turnovers. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. He's a good points, rebounds, assists, three-pointers guy. But there's just too many deficiencies when there are too many other good players on the board. Jokic, Harden, Curry. I'd I'd take Yanni ahead of him. Towns. Lillard, perhaps. The decision you then have is whether you do Durant, Embiid, or Doncic towards that end. But yeah, pick three which is Doncic's current um, ADP. I don't want to do it. Last season on a per-game basis, he was 16th. If you do want to include turnovers, he was like 30th. I don't, but that's not even including turnovers. He was 16th. Again, you punt free throws, it does drop him into that top seven or top eight discussion, but I'm not taking him at pick three. So that is a guy that I'm probably never going to in a category league have Luka Doncic. Depends on who I'm drafting against. But if I'm at pick eight, then yeah, I can. Yep, yeah, and he's there. Sure. 10, no problem. I can work around that. I can deal with that. But there are other guys ahead of him in that top five that I wouldn't really consider having Luka Doncic in that area. So he sits there at, uh, at number in that first round as a guy to avoid. And interestingly, when going through and doing all of these, 
doing all of these rounds. There are a couple of rounds where I looked at the ADPs and went, yeah, that, that's actually pretty fine. And I don't think there's anyone necessarily that I'm super avoiding in that round. In round two, Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving. Westbrook has uh, an ADP that again is too high. He sits inside the top 24 in his ADP. It's at number 21. Last season, he was 25th on a per game basis. You punt free throws, it does drop him into that second round. But what I'm looking at is the poor free throws is a concern. And then I just don't know what's going to happen with him in LA. I don't expect Westbrook to average a triple-double. In fact, I'm not even sure he averages 20 points per game or double-digit rebounds or double-digit assists. I don't know if any of that happens. So, you know, drafting Westbrook at pick 21, it's burning a second-round pick. If he's at 40 and I can, and the free-throw percentage makes sense, or say I took Yanni at pick 3 and then Westbrook maybe I take at pick 27, 27, is that right? Yeah, pick 27. I I could sort of see that, right? That would make a little bit of sense. It, it would work for a team. But I just don't... I, I don't look at it as 21 as being the right decision. Uh, and so in round two, I'm avoiding it. And of course, Kyrie Irving. Now, Kyrie Irving last year, on a per-game basis, I actually think he can be a top 12 guy this year. He was sixth last season per game. But... The uncertainty about him playing is is massive. Now, it looks like he's able to practice for the Nets this year, but still, he's not able to play at Barclays Center until he gets vaccinated. So it's 41 games, plus the Madison Square Garden games, plus maybe games in LA. I, I don't know. Uh, they um, talked about that on Locked on Lakers. Yes, they said the Lakers, uh, the, the Los Angeles rule doesn't preclude visitors coming in, so that, that should be okay. But um, Madison Square and Barclays Center, he's not being able to play. So it's 43 games gone right there. I would not be taking him in round two, hoping for that. Kyrie may acquiesce and get vaccinated, but it might not happen before the season. So as things currently stand, I'm recording this on the 9th of October. As things currently stand, I cannot justify taking Kyrie at pick 22, which is what his ADP is. Outside the top 50, go for it. Right, because if if he plays, you have gained forty spots of value easily. Right, if he gets vaccinated and plays those games, you gain forty spots of value. If he only plays half the games, then you and you have an IL plus, and you can shuttle him back and forward. It does become frustrating, but maybe you can make up that value. But also, then if you if you just want to cut him because he's not playing those games. You're losing a fifth round pick is nothing in comparison to losing a second round pick. It is recoverable from. Dropping a second round guy is almost unrecoverable from. So that's why I wouldn't be drafting Kyrie in round two or round three or even round four. Round five, I would start to consider it. Round six, I probably would end up having to do it. But in the end, I'm probably just not going to be drafting Kyrie anywhere, to be honest. If you do want to get into a draft, though, why don't you try the Sleeper app? You might have friends that are new to fantasy basketball. They're coming across from fantasy football. They want to try NBA fantasy for the first time. Sleeper might be the option for you. They only do points leagues, and they only use their exclusive game pick format where you have to pick one game per week for each player. It reduces some of the in-season management. So for people who are casual, that might be the answer that you're looking for. They have dynasty leagues, redraft leagues, third round reversal in their drafts, which is a really great feature. Their draft room and interface and app is super easy to use. So if you're looking to bring new people into fantasy basketball, give Sleeper a try and see how it goes. 
All right, let's look at round three. There's no one really in the round three range. And if I look at the players who are projected in that area, we're talking 12-team standard leagues here. So you've got Rudy Gobert, fine. Lamelo Ball, Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Michael Porter Jr., Chris Paul, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown, who, again, was just announced today has COVID. That's not dissuading me from drafting him, but maybe he misses a little bit to begin the year. That's possible. Yeah, I don't think any of those guys are incorrect to draft in round three. I think they're all pretty solid there. So there's no one I'm avoiding in round three. I think all that, based on ADP, all of that makes a ton of sense. Round four, it's a little bit more different. Um, three guys here that I don't particularly like in this round. Jar Morant, his ADP is at 41. Me and Jared earlier today debated the, the merits of Jar, but the numbers are undeniable. He was 112th in rankings last year. And Jared brings up good points that those rankings don't bring in a lot of context into things. And it's why I will consistently harp on drafting off rankings is a terrible idea. And those assists are valuable and steals can be acquired later in drafts and threes, which are the areas that he struggles. And I do think that Jar is going to get his efficiency back up. But I'm also not saying, well, he's going to just off the bat have a 70 spot ranking improvement and be a guy that I take at 41. I've got him as a top 70 player and I'll take him in round six, no problem. And even that might be a little high, but I'll still take him there. Round four, no. Miles Turner, last season was great. Blocked a lot of shots. He was the 31st best player. I just worry. Yeah, Rick Carlisle coming in. I think there's a slower pace. And Miles Turner's never blocked 3.4 shots in a season before. If that goes to 2.5, well, you're talking about the 70th best player. It's just too much risk that is tied into one specific category. Now, Carlisle could also come in and say, Miles, bomb the shit out of it. You know, just shoot from three a lot. Get 18 points with three blocks, and then he's actually maybe better than this. But the risk is really tied in to those block numbers. And if they fall 10%, that's 3.4 down to 3.1 or down to three. It's big, man. It's a big drop. He becomes a sixth-round guy and not a fourth-round player. And then John Collins. Last season, Johnny was the 55th-ranked player. I don't see the situation getting better in Atlanta for the Baptist. I think he's fine as a fifth-round guy, but his ADP sits at 43. Yeah, that's mid-fourth. I don't really see that gigantic improvement from Collins coming. Are they going to play him more minutes this year? Yeah, Gallinari, Hunter, Capella, Jeng's there now, Reddish. Herder, Bogdanovich, they're all still there. They're all healthy. The only guy's not healthy is a Kongwu. And maybe that does impact giving some more minutes to Collins at center. But a Kongwu was missing the start last season and didn't help Collins really at all. So uh, no, not, not for him in round four. Round five, much like round four, there's no one that I look at and go, yeah, that's, that's outrageous. There's no one I look at. And the players in that area include Jonas Valanciunas, in fact, Jonas... Jonas Vasilinoansas. CJ McCollum, maybe he's a little bit high at 51, but it's not far off. It's four or five spots off, probably. Um, Goose, Anthony Edwards. Now, Goose is a fourth-round player to me, so him being in the fifth round, yeah, I'm not avoiding him. Lonzo Ball at 52. DeJounte Murray at 52. Maybe that's one I can quibble with a little bit. Murray yeah, has some issues with lack of threes doesn't block any shots and he sometimes can have poor percentages but him in the fifth round there's nothing at all wrong with taking him in round five I actually think that's pretty fine um, OG Ananobi is going at 53 
he's like a top 40 upside player, so no worries there at all. Jaron Jackson at 53, no problem. Tyrese Halliburton at 55, bang on. DeMar DeRozan at 56, great. Malcolm Brogdon at 57. I actually think Brogdon is someone I'm not going to be super high on, but he was 51 last year. I do think he drops down somewhat, but if you wanted to take him in round five at pick 60, pick 59, I don't think there's any problem with that whatsoever. Yusuf Nurkic at 60. Well, you know that I'm way higher on him than that. Mikhail Bridges at 61. Well, actually, that's moving into sixth round territory. So there's your fifth round ADP, guys. Great. No problem with any of those guys there. I think that's all really, really solid numbers. So, you know, no one I look at in that zone and go, well, I'm, I'm missing out of them. But, you know, guys like Edwards and like Nurkic, I'm actually probably going a little bit higher on those players. Round six is where things get a little bit interesting in terms of more players on my list of do not draft. Ben Simmons, his Yahoo ADP 62. He was, on a per-game basis last season, 69th. Giggity! I do think that on a per-game basis, he will be better than last season if he ends up being traded. I think he goes to a better scenario, almost no doubt. But like Kyrie... I don't know how many games he's going to play. So I, and the upside for Simmons is not as high as Kyrie's upside. I, it's just so hard to see him giving in to his holdout or caving in or the Sixers caving in and trading him. And I don't see that team who's coming in with a good offer. I think it might last a while here. I don't see a clear resolution to this Simmons scenario. So I'm just not going to be investing in him unless we get to 80 or 85 in a draft not in that sixth round, which is 60 to 72. Because again, that's exactly where his per game numbers were last year. And that's taking no discount into consideration for the fact that he might miss four months, two months, three months, whatever. 80s, 90s, sure. 60s, no, not looking at him in that spot. Jared Allen. I just think it's too high for him. He was 75th last year. Played 30 minutes a night. They rewarded him with a big contract, probably a little bit foolishly. I like Jared Allen as a player, but I'm not particularly high on him this season. Evan Mobley is there, and we are seeing Mobley and Allen start together. Love and Markinen are there in the rotation as well. Not really seeing a clear path for Allen getting big minutes. In fact, the Cavs are saying that they want to try a lineup today, which maybe has already happened by the time you listen to this, of Mobley at center with Markinen and Love playing next to him and seeing how that works and how he can cover defensively, Evan Mobley can, um, while Allen sits on the bench. Yeah, Mobley's their center of the future, I think, pretty clearly. They might view him as a power forward. They're probably wrong, but they might view him that way. And I just don't see this gigantic upside for Allen to get better. If he hits his free throws at a better rate, then sure, he can jump up high. But to me, he's more of a seventh or eighth round player versus being a sixth round guy. And the same goes for Jeremy Grant for me. He was 70th last year, so he was bang on as a as a sixth-round guy. He did have some efficiency problems for sure. I, I do think that that can improve this year, but I also think you know, conversely to that, he's going to see his usage drop because Cade Cunningham comes in. So Grant to me is more of an eighth-round player, maybe a seventh-round guy, and I just don't think that taking him at his current ADP of 66, which is better than where he was last year, it doesn't make any sense to me to do that. I would rather go a little bit back from him as another higher usage guy and better prospect comes in in Kate um, that will just steer me away from Jeremy there. And then, of course, the wiki, Chris Boucher. 
has got an ADP of 68. Now, we're well aware of what Boucher can do. He was 64th in 24 minutes last year. That's great. That's really, really good. Um, Nick Nurse does not trust him at all. Does not trust him to play center at all. I think that there is, it's looking like, I'm not sure about this, but it's looking like Precious Achua might actually be the starting center. Ken Birch hasn't really played in the preseason, but Achua started those two games. I think Achua and Birch, regardless of who starts and who doesn't, are probably going to take majority of those center minutes. Boucher will play maybe some of them, but you know, power forward is his option. Now, with Siakam out to begin the year, there was a big opportunity for Boucher. But Boucher is also out. He's going to miss the first two weeks of the season with a finger surgery, maybe more. And in that time, Scotty Barnes might establish himself as that backup four, starting four. And then Siakam comes back. Where the hell does Boucher sit there? Yeah, Boucher at 100? Sure. Let's, let's have a flyer on it. We know the permanent production's there. But there is every chance in the world. Disagree with it if you want. And that's absolutely fine. Because I don't know. I don't know the future. I'm trying to throw my two cents out there based on what I see, what I read, what I know. There's a chance that Boucher plays significantly less than 24 minutes per game based on Achua, Birch, Barnes, Siakam, and Anobi pushing up to the four. The Boucher plays 20 minutes a night. And I'm not banking on a guy with that uncertainty and an injury to begin the season. That's just me. But Boucher could be a top 40 player for all I know. You know get him at 110, it's great. I love it. At 68... Jack Armstrong, in fact, this might be uh, time for you to say something. Get that garbage out of here! Yes, Jack, indeed. Get that garbage out of here. All right, guys, it's time for me to tell you about Bet Online because football is back. What do you think of the Seahawks highlighter uniforms yesterday? I loved them. I know most people, you hate them. I loved it. Football's back. It's better than ever. All eyes are out on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. So head across to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use our promo code LOCKEDON and you get a 50% welcome bonus from football, basketball, boxing, or even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Best tasting protein bar ever? What is it? It's Built Bar. The amazing flavors. You've got orange, strawberry, salted caramel, the goat, cookie and cream, grasshopper cookie they've had in there, cookie dough chunks. So many randoms they throw in there that are all absolutely beautifully delicious. But they're not only delicious. They're also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. And you can also get them healthily, deliciously, and cheaply. Those aren't words. Well, some of them are. Get a 15% off at built.com by using the promo code LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off all your delicious Built Bars at built.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All righty then. Let's move on to round seven. Budrick Heald. It's looking like Bud's going to be a bench player in Sacramento. He can still get high usage, but instead of 33 minutes a night that he played last year, it might be 25. It looks like they're going with Halliburton ahead of him, which absolutely they should do. They might not, but that's how it's looking at the moment. And that's just taking a lot of value away from Heald. And obviously, his number one category is hitting threes, which are the least valuable fantasy category. On a per-game basis last year, Heald was 80th in 34 minutes. I'm just not willing to go to pick 77 to get a three-point specialist. 
at, at this point. I don't know if he gets traded. I, I actually feel confident in saying he doesn't really have anything else to his game outside of being a decent, a pretty good scorer who doesn't get to the line at all um, and had some horrendous two-point numbers. Good threes, good three-point percentage, good scoring, but no, not at 77, not better than what he was last year in what, I look, what looks to me to be a significantly smaller role. And then we look at Mitch Robinson. And Mitch Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Mitchell Robinson used to be one of those great permanent guys. 20 minutes, two blocks, that's awesome. Look how sick it is, getting more minutes. And then last year he played 28 minutes and the blocks disappeared. And then he broke his foot and he was not very good. And he doesn't score well and he has um, poor free throw percentage and they never run any plays for him and that's not going to change this year. I still like Robinson as a later pick, but he's going at pick 86 at the moment. Oh, sorry, 85. And I don't like that. Why? I don't even know if he's going to be ready to begin the season with a broken foot. Nerlens Noel will get every opportunity to start, start ahead of him, and steal minutes in a backup role. And then if Robinson does his best to stay out of foul trouble and it re- um, results in those low blocks again, then he's not worth it. He was 106 last year. Like, I'm all for taking him around that area, but just not at 86 in round number seven. Like, I'm just not taking him there. Or, sorry, uh, round number... Yeah, well, that, that, sorry, that's, that's the absolute beginning of round number eight. But you know what I mean, round seven. Round eight. <clears throat> this is where the fun begins. Spencer Dinwiddie. Undeniable that Dinwiddie's got a better opportunity this season. Undeniable. He will get... More minutes, more usage, more assists, more scoring. But what else is he doing? He doesn't really hit threes. He's a poor field goal guy. He gets no steals or no blocks. He's an anemic rebounder. Points and assists are valuable. There is no doubt about that. But Dinwiddie's going at 86. I think that 100, when you're looking for a point guard, is fine. 110 in that area is, is fine. Um... He was outrageously ranked on ESPN. I think they've actually dropped him back down now to 66. But yeah, they just don't want him in this area. It's just expecting a lot of improvements in some of those. And the scoring and assists will improve. But then you're hoping that, you know, that that then increases the volume or the negative impact of his field goal percentage. And you're hoping threes come, but they may not. And he's not rebounding and he's not getting steals. It's just he's very much a two-trick pony. And I don't like that. Now, I talked about how much I like Evan Mobley. I don't want to pick him at 88. Just, again, there's too many bodies. Where's the overall upside? Now, I think Mobley can easily be a top 20 player long-term. Rebounds, blocks, passing, steals. Doesn't get in foul trouble. Hopefully get some efficiency going. But I'm not taking him at 88. 110, round 10, sure. No problem at all. I don't know how it works with him and Market and Allen. Hopefully they just play Lowry 21 minutes, but I'm not convinced that they do. Mobley's looked pretty good in preseason and they're starting him again. It feels like almost a guarantee that he starts opening night, but that doesn't mean that top 80 guaranteed numbers are coming. Now, when we hit March and April, top he might be a top 80 guy. So they might have decided we need to play this guy more and we'll limit what Allen does and we'll limit what Markkinen does. But that doesn't mean that you have to pick him there at absolute peak type numbers for this season. And I wouldn't do it. I don't know what's happening with Brook Lopez. Well, I do know what's happening. He's getting overvalued. He's 104 last year. His ADP's at 90. 
Do we think Brook Lopez is getting better than last year? Now, I understand that it is hard to sometimes get yourself a good center, and then you're re- yeah, relying on Mobley or Lopez or Mitch Robinson in this area. Not good centers, particularly. Not great centers with lots of flaws. And Lopez has his flaws too. I'm just not expecting him at age 33 to improve significantly or play more minutes than he did last year. So I think it's a little bit of a waste in round eight. Andre Drummond... <clears throat> It's crazy. Like, why are you taking him at 92? It makes no sense. Oh, but Josh and Beat will get hurt. Maybe, yes. 15 games of Andre Drummond starting. Is it worth burning your eighth pick on him? If if Embiid gets hurt, you add him. But do you really want a guy that, let's be honest, every other night is maximum playing 17 minutes? Maximum. Because Embiid will play minimum 31. Ideally, you want Embiid playing 33 minutes, and that means 15 minutes for Andre Drummond. So in a daily changes league, you have to use that spot, that roster spot, where you get 15 minutes of Andre Drummond for the week. It's like the equivalent of Detroit Andre Drummond having a two-game week. And how excited by that week? Because it's 60 minutes total, 15 minutes a game times four, yeah? And if it's a three-game week, it's 45 minutes for Drummond. And yeah, maybe Embiid misses one of these games. That's true. But if you want to take that flyer on Drummond as a handcuff, which doesn't really work in fantasy very well, especially in your traditional daily changes, because again, you've got to use that guy. It's not fantasy football where you can just sit on the bench and rot and wait until an opportunity arises where you can plug him in. Games cap roto, weekly leagues, yes, completely different story. Daily changes format. You're just going to be getting subpar outside top 150 production from one of your roster spots until Embiid is hurt. Take him at 140, Andre Drummond. The big avocado, sure. At 92, no. No, thank you. Not uh, not even remotely interested. Um, J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. Why is Jordan Clarkson going at 95? He was 108th last year. And that was on the back of unsustainably hot shooting for the first three months of the year, which fell way off. I I don't think that he's even worth a top 100 pick. Top 110 pick. Maybe not top 120 pick. I think he's a 10th or 11th round guy. Not round eight. That's an insane ADP to me. I get it. Scoring can be, can be hard to get, but poor field goals. No blocks, no steals. Low rebounds, low assists. You're just getting scoring at that point. It makes no sense. You're expecting him to be better than a career-best season last year for him to make sense at this area, and that's just not something I'm going to bank on. And then the guy that I'm absolutely not drafting anywhere is Clay Thompson. Oh, but Josh, what if I get him and put him in my injured slot? Isn't that great value? Can't he be a top 40 guy? No, he can't. He just can't. Clay, um, Clay's ADP is 96 at the moment. I'm actually not sure he's even a top 100 guy on a per-game basis because let's assume he is back in January. You're missing all of November, all of December, and that bit of October. So two and a half months, gone. Maybe it's three months. Maybe it's mid-January he comes back. Three months, no action. He's not coming back and playing 34 minutes a night. He's going to come back. He's going to play 20 minutes a night for a week or two, 27 minutes a night, push to 30 minutes a night, maybe by March, and he's going to sit back-to-backs the rest of the year. I would be stunned if he doesn't. So you might get 30 games out of Clay, 35 games, 40 games, absolute best case. And the problem is, if you have him in your injured reserve slot, 
when he comes back in January and then you're dealing with limited minutes and no back-to-backs for the next month to six weeks, you can't have him in injured reserve. So he's got to take up a roster spot. So he might be outside the top 150. for so He's not playing for three months, outside the top 150 for another month to six weeks after that, perhaps. And then you say that maybe he's the 100th best player after that. Why am I spending the hundred, uh, pick inside the top 100 on that? I'm not even going to worry about a guy like that, even with my last pick, because it clogs up my IR. If I've got seven injured reserve slots, maybe I'll put Clay there. If I've got four, I might consider it with a last pick. But again, when you have to then activate him out of that spot, because if he sits in that injured reserve slot, you can't make any waiver ads or make any trades while an ineligible player sits in injured reserve. You have to activate him. And is it worth it? To me, absolutely not. Now, you might disagree with this completely. I am just... If you want to have a legitimate do not draft list, it's him. I'm not drafting Kawhi. So I'm not... Well, Kawhi, we'll talk about him in a sec. I'm not drafting Clay Thompson at all. Kyrie's not on that list because, if again, if he's in the 70s, I probably would get him. If Simmons is at 95 or 100, I'd get him. Clay, I'm not drafting. Round nine. Keldon Johnson is too high. Keldon Johnson played 29 minutes a game last year and wasn't a top 180 player. And yes, he will play more this year. And yes, he will get more shot attempts this season. His ADP is 103. It's a big, big step to come forward. And as we've talked about ad nauseum, he gets no assists, no steals, no blocks, doesn't hit threes, and he's a poor shooter from the field and from the line. He might get to 18 points per game, but he does it with nothing else. 140? Sure. 130, I'd consider it. 103, no chance. Points league, maybe. Category league, no chance that I'm taking him there. Lowry Markkinen, why? 104, his ADPs, what are we doing? Lowry was 144th last season in 26 minutes. Maybe he plays more than that in Cleveland. Maybe he plays significantly less than that. There is no point in drafting him in round nine. 13, round 13, Oh, let's see what happens. Round 12, I can make a case. Here, no way. And then, of course, the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. (laughs) Just don't do it. There's no need. Kawhi may not play a single game in the regular season. Oh, Josh, there was a report that he's ahead of schedule. Yeah, but what did it mean? It said the best case he might resume practicing in February. Maybe he's in games at the end of March. Maybe he's back in April to get ready for the playoffs. Your fantasy playoffs, by the time Kawhi's playing 30 minutes a night, they're done. They're finished. He had an ACL. He had surgery on his ACL. I know it was a partial ACL tear. That's a nine-month minimum, and he did it in June. And Kawhi is not, given his importance to this team, an age, he's not pushing forward any further. Like he's not, I, I just don't see him coming back in your miraculous six-month return in January. It's an absolute waste to take Kawhi Leonard in round nine. I wouldn't take him at all. And then lastly, it's round 10. It's the headmaster, Jamal Murray. Much like Kawhi, Torrey's ACL in April. Maybe it's a March comeback for Murray. Maybe all-star break. But then still, limited minutes, back-to-backs being sat, and you've got a zero on your roster for all this time. Murray's being picked at 110. On a per-game basis, I can see him maybe being 80th or 70th when he's back. But maybe he plays 10 games, 12 games, 15 games. I'm not super confident of him returning at all. 
in the regular season or in the fantasy regular season. Duncan Robinson's too high for me in these as well. Um, we know what Duncan does. He hits a lot of threes, but he's being drafted 115th. Last year, he was 143rd. In the last round, in the 12th round, sure, get some three-pointers in there. 115, I just don't think that in every... In some situations, it might make sense for you. But it's just not one that I'm super interested in. And then Aaron Gordon in round 10. That's uh, a strong no for me. Gordon was 164th last year, got worse in Denver. And yes, there is no Jamal Murray, but that didn't help him last year. He's just not a particularly fantasy-friendly player. And... Again, round 13, sure, I'll, I'll take a crack. But even then, I'm not sure that it's going to be worthwhile in that area. So I'll probably just end up avoiding him. Guys, that will do it for today's show. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app, and on YouTube. YouTube next week, Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, a live Taking Your Questions show fantasy analysts, local experts, so many different guests. We'll see who we can get to come in to answer your questions. Be there, 4 p.m. We're going to go for ages, answering as many questions as we can on the live stream. So get involved in that, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.